0: Everything's waiting for you, you just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan, this is the Get Off The Bench Podcast and here is where your courageous life starts. Hey guys and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench Podcast and this week I want to talk about heroism. And at least, if not heroism, then at least activism, at least taking action to make a better world. So today's guest is Thomas Sartor from Michigan, and he is part of the Hero Roundtable and the Heroic Imagination Project. So rather than go into all the ins and outs of our conversation, let me introduce you to him and then get on with it. Thomas Sartor is an international speaker, a partner and event director for the Hero Roundtable series of conferences and the Vice President of the Heroic Imagination Project. Formerly an owner of an asphalt and concrete paving company in Detroit, Thomas was unable to work in this industry for a while due to a back injury, which is when his journey took an unexpected turn into the world of heroism. After volunteering for some time with the Hero Roundtable Global Conferences, Thomas was soon invited to become an event partner where he does his best to make sure every speaker and attendee at the Hero Roundtable genuinely enjoys their time at the event. He does a lot more than that too, by the way, but I'll keep going. Thomas is very passionate about the idea that people are capable of having an impact and that everybody is capable of acting heroically. Welcome, Thomas.
1: Thanks for having me, Karen. I'm glad to be here.
0: Oh, It's fantastic to see you. It's been a very long time.
1: Oh, my gosh. I know it's been forever, but hopefully we'll be able to see each other soon. I don't know. It depends on when Australia starts letting people in and out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think Australia's got some strict timelines. But anyway, it's um no, it's fantastic. And, you know, I remember I, I was just thinking about it before and I met you um just six years ago in Geelong.
1: Wow. Oh, yeah. That. Yep. That's absolutely right. Six years ago. Wow. Oh, my gosh. It has been six years. That's so true. Geelong was great
0: amazing and that was at the um hero round table down there and i met you and your brother and another young man and i decided that i had met my boy band and <laughs> uh, <laughs> and i was i was set then but uh yeah <laughs> a few things have changed but anyway it's been so great uh you know having you in my life and everything else and i just think that you you know, I want to talk about today about heroism and, you know, that wasn't where you started out in your life, but, um, you know, the fact that you are, uh, you know, with Hero Roundtable and with the work you're doing now with the Hero Imagination Project, it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, you bring so much to that space and particularly with your warmth and, yeah, beautiful personality and character. <sighs> so, you know, I think that, you know, even heroes need a hug and, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well thank you that's very nice of you to say (laughs) and yeah I'll give them hugs if they need them if they want them even if they don't want them I'll still give them a hug (laughs) oh
0: you've got a you've got an extreme extremely good knack of um, making people feel warm and welcome and in you know it's just beautiful absolutely beautiful
1: but thanks Karen that's super nice I, I could say the same thing about you
0: yeah, I give a good hug. Yeah, I do give a good hug. But and when we when we lock, it's like you know that's it. Like bulls bulls horns locking.
1: <laughs> Honestly, they have to get the jaws of life to get us apart. It's incredible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go back a little bit, and uh, you know, like that you um, you know, you've landed squarely in the. Hero, hero, heroism space and um prior to that you were doing concreting you know that was your first I guess your major job you know that, that owning a a, a, a concreting and asphalting business but what were you like as a kid like were you um super fascinated by superheroes or
1: um, how did that not particularly with superheroes. Like when I was a kid I would watch like cartoons and stuff that had superheroes in them. I grew up in the 90s so they were kind of all over the place. We had like the X-Men series and stuff like that. Um I read a bunch um and I read a lot of Tolkien when I was growing up. I was a big Lord of the Rings kid and the Hobbit kid. So maybe that. I'm not really sure. Um honestly it all kind of feels random. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> that I ended up in in this space, but uh but I'm here and I'm trying to do my best. Um, but yeah, I was pretty quiet as a kid, um, which I suppose is kind of hard to believe for people that know me now, because I'm really talkative. <laughs> but, um, but when I was a kid, I was really quiet. Um, and yeah, we just sort of grew up in Michigan. Uh, I don't know. I think probably the reading was what got me into the idea of heroism and like the the hero's journey and things like that.
0: Yeah. And I think when you're talking about Lord of the Rings and all of those kind of uh, movies and, and stories, you know, the, the hero's journey is so, it's so out there. It's just, it's so prominent, you know, that you can't miss it. And it's, um, I, I love it. I, I think that we, we often miss the hero's journey, like we see it and we feel it and we, we take the journey with people, you know, in these movies, but I don't think we actually You know, you know, can articulate it or think it out and say, Yeah, that's actually happening. That's the hero's journey. But, right, isn't it amazing though? At the end, we always like, we come out feeling like champions (laughs) ourselves, even though that's so
1: true. Yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah, that's very true. And it's super captivating. Like, even when you're a little kid, all of those stories, you know, they catch your attention and they resonate with people. And I think that's why that sort of like writing tool or whatever you would call it that the hero's journey is like has stuck in so many different stories for so many generations because like we do relate to it like even if we don't realize directly why Mm -hmm. it's like well yeah they might we might be listening to a story about you know, Harry Potter or something like that, and it might seem really fantastic and unrealistic, but there are still elements of like what they're all going through that are like relatable to our lives and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I'm, I get fired up listening to that kind of stuff.
0: No, I I agree with you. It's and I think that um, when you talk about being relatable as well, is isn't it amazing? It doesn't matter what the character is or who the character is. We do connect it back to parts of our own life, and we totally. we. F- We feel heroic ourselves, you know, when it gets to the end, so.
1: Right, and I feel like people, even if they don't necessarily identify with specific characters or protagonists, they can still identify with, like, situational, like, things that are going on or maybe, like, uh, just particular dialogue or something like that. You know, like, you don't necessarily have to be like, oh, I'm just like Harry Potter or I'm just like Frodo (laughs) or something like that. I'm just like Hermione but you can still relate to like what they're going through as an experience and how that might remind you of some things that you've been through as well. Yeah. It's super yeah. interesting. Uh,
0: yeah, I agree. I think it's fan. I think it's fantastic. And I think that the, it also confirms, doesn't it, that within each of us, there's a, there's a hero and, and, you know, we, we get that a little bit confused. Sometimes we kind of think, well, a, a hero has to have a cape and a mask and we, you know, have to be out there, ju- you know, jumping into fires and saving people. But, you know, I'm a strong believer that a, a hero is somebody who, well, there's you know, too, like it's you kind of you do jump to action, you do spring into right, action yeah. if, if there's something that and we all say we're going to, and sometimes we don't. I want I want to ask you about that later too. Totally. But,
1: yeah. Absolutely. Um,
0: but there's also the hero that is the everyday, everyday just choosing to do, to do better you know choosing to do better for yourself choosing to do better for the world you know just choosing to be kind i think there's massive heroic action in that
1: just yeah absolutely it's it's almost like being a hero in training i feel like that's how they would phrase it in the organizations that i've helped with it's like all of those small little things that you're doing throughout the day sort of help prime you to act in a situation where you know someone may need help or something like that and excuse me, we even say a lot of the times when we're talking to people about it, like, yeah, like we know a lot about heroism or, you know, we know what we believe about heroism and everything like that. Um, But like, we hope that even if you've learned stuff from us, like we hope you don't have to be one, you know, like we hope you don't have to like risk your life to help somebody or something like that. It's just, you know, a possibility that may arise at some point in in your everyday life. Um, So yeah, I guess uh, being aware of like the situational, boundaries and things like that um, helps make it easier to bypass them. And like doing those small acts of kindness and things like that every day, like, you know, that helps build empathy and things like that. And I like to think of empathy as like I think about empathy a lot. I like to think of empathy as like. A skill, right, it's like a muscle or something like that, like it's not something that you're just you just have like some people are just very empathetic, but like it's not like if you're not super empathetic, you can never be that way. It just yeah. takes practice, right? And so like yeah. by finding those small little ways that to do nice things or to like be helpful or be like cheery or whatever, um, spread good energy, like that sort of, you you have to like connect with somebody in some way to do that, right? Like you, even if you're just holding the door for someone, like there's a moment there. Um, so yeah, I just think it's interesting. Like it helps build that empathy. You're connecting with people and things like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, i love it and i love too, when you're you know connecting that just going a little bit further to that you know with the hugs you know you being the chief hugger and i mean you've you've got you've got a ton of other jobs to do that are more important <laughs> i don't know if they're more important but you know one, one of the one of the roles you take on is chief hugger and you know i think that that's that's where the souls meet you know hugging right. is where the souls meet and i think that you know you 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 you, I don't know whether it's building empathy or not, but you're certainly making a connection, Do you, you know, that then encourages or, or opens the door to empathy to further empathise with right. that person. And, you know, I think it's I think it's beautiful. It's yeah, beautiful. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank Yeah, it's a big thing. I put a lot of thought into the things that I do around the event, and the hugging is a big part of that because we try to, and you're familiar with this because you've been to many of our events and you're a big part of it, um, but for the listener who may not know, like at our events, the Hero table, we try to build a real family atmosphere, um, both for the speakers and the attendees. And um, early on in our experience, we were hearing a lot from the, the more professional speakers um, because we do bring in a vast sort of variety of speakers. We bring in people who are maybe local and have never spoken publicly before, as well as people who might travel around the world speaking. So um, the, the speakers who really are more like, this is my job, I speak, um we were getting a lot of feedback that you know this was sort of like a really fun event for them that they felt connected to the other speakers it wasn't like they just showed up went to their hotel room went down to speak and then went back to their hotel room which i I guess is the norm i don't know i've only ever run our events so i don't know what the normal is but um but with us we like take everyone out to dinner and like if people show up early we'll like take them around you know to detroit or to the park Mm -hmm. or to whatever you know um and try and build like that sort of c- communal feeling, I guess. Um, mm. So yeah, the hugs are a part of that, you know, like welcome to the fam. And people get so nervous to speak, which is like a really understandable thing. Like all of us would, um, unless we're nuts. But um, yeah, it just helps break that tension, you know. I'm just trying to break the tension. I'm just trying to be like, you know what, it's cool. Like we're not going to be mad if you don't do super well. We just want you to go out and feel comfortable. Like that's the way it is, you know. Yeah. So the hugs are part of that. Sorry, long-winded explanation for hugs, (laughs) but.
0: (laughs) No, I absolutely love it. I must be nuts because I I don't get nervous before I speak. I just think. Oh, you're amazing, though. Look at
1: you. (laughs) You're incredible. incredible. <laughs> yeah, well you're but, great at it too. And you've got such good energy, you know. Like you you just come for the hugs because you like the hugs, but some people need the hugs, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I've offered hugs and been turned down and I've respectfully accepted that. That's okay.
0: <laughs> now, this work you do with um Hero Roundtable, and yes, I've been to several of them. I do consider myself part of the family, and it is such Oh, so fun. do we. <laughs> well, it's such a family environment. I have no idea what you're talking about about, you know. being in your hotel room and talking and then go back to hotel what the hell is that there's no way I anywhere I speak no way I'm there for the day and I'm going to soak up the atmosphere and I'm going to I'm going to love it but and here our round table goes for two days so it's it's absolutely it's 48
1: hours of soaking up the atmosphere
0: Oh, it's great! And 20, 20 odd speakers. So you before you got into that, you know, and you had, you, uh, you know, you're reading your Tolkien books and your Lord of the Rings, and I like. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really into superheroes particularly. Um, you're, doing,
1: you're nothing you're against doing
0: them. Your, you're doing your <laughs> concreting, and mm-hmm. but then you got a back injury, and I did. you know that. That, that turned out that, I don't know, you said you were selling candy or something. I'm not sure about that it's, American it's... Um, <laughs> statement, but then, and somehow this led to you meeting um, Matt Langdon, who is the mm-hmm. founder of Hero Roundtable. So how did that all eventuate?
1: Okay. First of all, I keep, I keep like interjecting while you're mid-sentence. I'm sorry about that. I'll try to do better. <laughs> um, second, I'm just stoked to talk to you, honestly. Um, second, <laughs> So uh, yeah, so I grew up doing asphalt and concrete. My dad um, owned an asphalt and concrete company for 53 years. Um, Uh Well, our family did. My brother and I owned it for the last five or six, and my mom owned it prior to that, but it it was started by my dad. And that was really cool. I mean, it was really tough We because our, our dad was born in the 40s and raised in Oklahoma in like a mining and farming town. So he was very old school in like a work ethic sense. Um, so we just grew up working super hard. It was crazy. Like anyone in Michigan, in southeastern Michigan, if, if you happen to be listening, if you ever saw two little kids like operating weirdly big machinery, <laughs> When, when you were driving around one day in the nineties and early two thousands, that was me and my brother, we, we learned how to run rollers when we were like five, um, skid steers, which is another piece of equipment, um, which when you're really little, like they, they tend to like lose their footing and jump back and forth. And you're like Uh in this cage. And when you're little, it like the seatbelt and the little protector bar, it's way too big. Like it doesn't help at all. So you kinda, you're kind of like a marble and like a coffee can, just like getting banged around. Um. It was wild, honestly, but, um, but it was really cool. And we worked with loads of great guys growing up and loads of people from like all over Southeastern Michigan. It was great. Um, unfortunately it led to a back injury when I was about 18. Um, and it took me out of the asphalt business for like two years. It was a pretty bad one. Um, well, it just kept lingering and like, I had to let it get better or else if I went back into labor, like I still have back pain sometimes, but it would have been way worse. Yeah. Um, so uh so yeah so i was like shoot i need to like have a job though i don't have a job i've never not had a job you know what i mean um so uh i used to i was in a community college like a local uh not quite a university but similar um working for our family's company my younger brother was still in high school and uh he would carpool with people we would meet in brighton um where you've been in michigan uh and we would meet at this candy store called Oh, oh my lolly Um, And they make hard candy and lollipops right in front of the customer. It's really cool. It's a super colorful store. Um, I've been
0: there. Yeah, it's
1: amazing, isn't it? It's It's so much fun, honestly. Yeah, it was like the most fun job I've ever had. Um, And we would just make candy and everyone that we worked with had a great attitude. And it was just a really fun time and place to work. And it was great. Um, And so Matt, who is uh, from Australia originally um, and lives there now, he was in a period of his life where he was living in Michigan in Brighton, um, and he he and his amazing wife Karen just had had just had their just as amazing daughter Vienna, and uh, she was just a little you know like the size of like a little rugby ball or football or something, um, just a little infant, and uh, they would always be walking around town, and uh, they would kind of go into every shop and like chat with everybody. You know that's just what Matt's like. He he's like a super like let's see what's yeah. going on kind of guy. Um, which is rad. And uh, and so Matt would always come in and I thought Matt didn't like me for like the longest time. And I'm like used <laughs> to dry senses of humor. Like my mom is from England and we watched all kinds of English shows growing up and stuff. Um, but Matt has like an extraordinarily dry <laughs> sense of humor. And he's like so like dry when he says the things that he's saying. Um, and so for a while I was like, man, this guy just, I don't think he... Like, cause I have a really big personality. So like, sometimes I'm just a little bit much for people, you know, like that's fine. Um, So I was like, I like, you know, I don't think Langdon likes me very much. Um, And then one day he walked in and I was wearing a Liverpool jersey because that's where my mom is from, you know, we're all about Liverpool in our house. And um, Matt was like, why are you wearing a Liverpool jersey? And I was like, "Why, why wouldn't I be, I was like ready for the argument. He was like, oh no, like I'm a Liverpool fan. Like when I was getting into soccer, like the best Australian, Harry Kewell, shouts out Harry Kewell, played for Liverpool. And yeah. so that became his club. So then we kind of had this thing to talk about. And then we both found out that we were really into traveling and we'd been to Europe a bunch of times and to the same places. Um, and this is over the course of a couple of years. Um, and then I was in Europe for five out of six months in 2012. Um, and Matt and Karen in Vienna were also there. Um, so they like randomly shot me a message and they were like, hey, are you close to Lyon, France? And I was like, yeah, I'm like a 30 minute bus ride from there, super random. And uh, he was like, cool, we're gonna be in town. You wanna hang out? So we like met up um, later on in my life. I lived in Lyon, which was wild. Cause I'd like walk by that place where we hung out and I'd be like, oh, this is where I hung out with Langdon and Karen and Vienna, it was cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we just kind of became buddies, like, you know, just kind of through me selling candy and him coming in and buying candy. And uh, <clears throat> then his family moved back to Australia, um, which was a really sad day for Livingston County, Michigan. Honestly, we lost a lot of like the people that I liked oh. that day. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, but it was cool for them. And then uh, I hadn't heard from Matt. I was sort of like, well, guess I'll never see them again, <laughs> and, <laughs> which was completely wrong. And uh, he, uh, he messaged me one day um, and he was like, hey, I'm, I'm doing this event in Flint, Michigan, um, which is a, a great city that's been through loads of hardship and it sucks. Like they've, like they've caught hell these last few years. It's mm. not cool. So he's like, I'm doing an event in Flint and like, would you like to help? Like you're really enthusiastic. Would you like to come up and just volunteer? And I was like, sure, man, I'll come up and like hang out with you. Like, it'll be cool. Um, and it was a great event, honestly. It was at a venue called The Whiting um, in Flint, like I said, we had like, there must have been at least 600, 700 people there. It's a huge venue. We had great speakers. Um, that was where I met Dave Rendell. It was where I met Phil Zimbardo. It was where I met Edith Eager. Um, it, it was just a really, like, I was sort of blown away. I was like, wow, I can't believe this dude that I just talk about soccer with just did this event. Like, this is crazy, you know? Um, so I left and I was like, hey, man, if you need help in the future, let me know. And I've just been on the team ever since. We we moved from Flint to to Brighton that following year, um, and it was really tough to relocate and rebuild our audience and everything. Um, and it was really defeating uh, because we in two thousand fifteen we did this amazing event in Brighton, but we had a really low turnout. Um, but we were all like, we got to persevere. And and since our name has grown in the area, like we've gotten a lot more. Uh, you know, we get a few hundred people that come. Um, and they come from all over. We have people that come down from Flint. We've had people come from different countries. Um it's really been amazing. But yeah, mm. the way that all started was through me getting a back injury and, and <laughs> having to sell candy so I could rest and heal. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't step on any of your other questions. I get so long-winded and like I just go down tangents. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it, I think it's fantastic. No, I and and you know now it's in um yeah Brighton I think it's in Brighton isn't it? that where it's, where it's I writing. was last year. it's fantastic you know just absolutely just fantastic and we would have been in our New York you know that was uh-huh. our next one coming up we I all know. missed it's that still one weird. and yeah but um and never mind. And I'll tell you what, the best thing I think it was, um, no, well, actually the event was the best thing I did in New Michigan, but you taking me to Detroit, you know, oh, because I, I'm a Kiss fan. I'm a massive Kiss Amazing. fan. And, you know, Detroit rocks in here, there, you know.
1: Absolutely. And it was cool. Absolutely.
0: Let's go back to you. You know, with we, we're doing the Hero <laughs> Roundtable. You have listened to and been around a ton of speakers like a ton of speakers and not not just not just talking about not just speaking about any old speaking topic they've been talking about the actions that they've taken and they're not proclaiming themselves as heroes you know they're just they're just ordinary people who have I guess taken you know stepped up to make a difference in the world and so you, you've sort of met and mingled with and listened to and been a part of all these um, speakers. Can you identify a quality or a characteristic that all these people share?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, okay, so off the top of my head, I would probably go with empathy. Um, again, it, it's something that I've just noticed um, that, you know, a lot of our speakers are just, they, and they come across as being very genuine as well. Um, but yeah, very, very kind, uh, sort of genuine and, and they always seem very interested in the other speakers as well. Um, so, uh, really you, you do notice our speakers really kinda in the morning eating breakfast together in the hotel lobby or, you know, going out and grabbing lunch together or, you know, just sort of hanging out between talks, interacting with the attendees and things like that. But, um. They all seem really genuinely interested in in just learning about the other speakers as well and their projects. If I could just add one more thing, um, they they do things like these are people that have felt a motivation and chose not to waste it um, a lot of the time. And like where they might have an idea or see a problem or experience something or, or witness someone experience something, and and they're like, okay, well, I want to do something about this, which is rad. Loads of us have those thoughts, but there's a difference between being like, you know, I could really probably do something about this and actually doing something about it. Um, and I'm a really big proponent of doing things. I think that doing things is, mm. is a pretty rad thing to do.
0: <laughs> so do I.
1: Get off so the bench, you know. Let's get active, get involved.
0: <laughs> so you you say that you believe, and, and I'm not saying you say as in it's alleged that you believe, <laughs> you actually Allegedly. do believe. Allegedly. we're all capable of um, heroic action you think we're all capable of it but we don't all take action so why what are your thoughts on why we say we will but we don't why do you reckon that is that you know we we all say yes if I saw that I would definitely help in fact we even get aggressive about it oh geez if I saw that you know I'd oh by god I'd but then when it really happens where we often become bystanders do you, you know and and What are your thoughts about why we don't jump in when we always have said we would?
1: Well, I think it's interesting. And I think that we, like people want to do the right thing. You know what I mean? And I think it's pretty recognizable that, um, you know, maybe you see a video and you're, and you're thinking to yourself, like why didn't someone do something? The right thing to do is to do something. Um, But obviously Mm -hmm. there's a lot of situational and psychological um, sort of pressures and and forces that are at play there, you know? And the bystander effect is one of them. Um, and it, it is really interesting, you know, because it says that the more people present at the time where something sort of needs to be done, like let's say there's a car accident, like the more people that are there to witness it, the less likely someone actually will step forward to help, um, which is sort of the opposite of what you would think because you would imagine, well, there's more, there's more options for Mm -hmm. people to help here so surely someone's going to step forward Um, but the reality is that you know we might be concerned for our own safety we might think that there's someone else present who probably could do a better job than us Um, because if it comes to doing some some serious first aid or like you know response I'm not Mm -hmm. sure what the term is but you know, like it would be really easy to be like, I don't want to mess this up. Surely someone here is first aid certified or something like that. Um, and again, yeah, you know, like I'm not here to judge anyone for not acting because I don't know it that I would. You know, um, I'm and 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 there's a lot of risk involved. Um, like really, there's and risk is a tricky thing because it's perceived differently by different people, and there's different levels of risk and different types of risk entirely. Um, you know, you might, it might be financial risk. It might be risking your mental health. It might be risking yourself physically. You know, there's, it's, it's really easy to think of like running into a burning building, but like, um, you know, like it it might be a a situation where someone is in public and sees someone being accosted or something, and they want to step up, but they, they've got a trauma involved. And, and to them, that's a a really huge, like risk on their mental health or something like that. Mm. I don't know. There's loads of reasons behind why we wouldn't, um, I think all of us are a little bit overly optimistic about what we would do in cases of emergency. Mm. Um, and then, you know, there's sort of there could sort of be a level of shock as well involved, depending on what the situation is um, or or the. And yeah, it, there's there's so many different things that that really could play a factor Um you know, say you see a car accident and you're, you know, a, a a mom or a dad and you've got young kids and you're like, well, I don't want to go and get hurt because what happens after, you know, there's just loads of possibilities for why uh, we, we might not. Um, I, they've found that uh, because there's some, some really intelligent and rad people that are, you know, studying why is it that certain people do act heroically and why is it that some people can break past these barriers and things like that um and and one of the things that they found is that empathy is a big part of it um they found that people who are more comfortable out of their comfort zone um which sounds like the opposite but um people who are who are comfortable standing out uh they are less impacted um according to what i've you know learned uh to things like the bystander effect like those social pressures sort of um, don't necessarily affect somebody who's got like a foot tall bright green mohawk as much as they uh, you know might affect somebody who who dresses you know like a, a businessman every day. I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it is a really interesting thing. and and loads of us do think mm-hmm. that we would do something, and I don't necessarily think we should beat ourselves up if we don't, but it would be nice to live mm-hmm. in a world where people were were a little bit more active when when there was heroic action to be taken. If that makes any sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it's, it's a, I agree with you. I think there's so many things going on in people's lives. And, you know, and, and, you know, when we say we would, we would stand up or would step in um you know we may in we may in january we, you know when when it's warm and we're feeling happy and everything else and yet we might come to getting the winter blues which is true do you know and, and not feel as confident in in ourselves in this exactly the same situation oh, of course i always think about um i always think about a, 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 a super tragic situation i don't even want to really give it airtime in the but you know a it, when a guy threw his kid off a bridge, do you know that, that happened here, and I know that happens a little more in America. But he, when it happened here, it was just like it—it—it—it it, it, it shocked, right. you know, Australia. And and you know, I, I got so upset about it. Like I, I wanted, I wanted to kill that. <laughs> I, I bet, yeah, I <laughs> you know, bet, honestly. But it was like, and all I could think was, if I was on that bridge. I would have rammed him that hard and pinned him in his car, right. you know. I and I would have done this and I would have done that and I right. would have, you know. And this is when you—that's—that was my thoughts. And yet the reality is—is—is—is is, is, is would I, you know? And there was a truck driver there who. Saw it. Pulled up his truck and and got out. And he's you know been recorded as saying this. He got out and he just fell to his knees and vomited. You know because he felt he, he he went to do something and he was so um, taken by the shock. Right. Do you, know, you know that that his body just collapsed on him. So
1: right.
0: you just don't know. And I guess it's about not judging people. But um, I, I like the thought of. Um, you know, I call them impulsive heroism and planned heroism. And I kind of like the thought of, you know, impulsive is running, you know, running to save somebody if something happens. But the planned is, well, you know, when I talked about before, um, you know, living a good life and and, and practising kindness and practising empathy and, you know, hey, this needs to be done and maybe I could do something about it. And then building right. something to do something about it. And I think if, if more of us focused on the safer, mm-hmm. more planned heroic acts... We would build a world, you know, where there's well, one, we we're more. This is only my opinion. This so there's no research. Totally, yes. Yeah. But this is my thought. No, I'd love to hear
1: it. Let's let's um, hear
0: it. You know, we would build a world where it, it's more uh, more practiced. You know, we're practicing that muscle, and so when we do have to step out of our comfort zone, there we are. We're already there. You know, we're already practicing right. it. But also, we more of a tipping point where more more people are saying. Uh, I can, I can make a difference, you know, I can step up, I can change things. And, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to see a lot more people practicing um, planned action, whether you call it heroic action or right, not, you right. know, just plan to make a, a better world. But um, I guess there's so many reasons why they're not. But, you know, I think that if we just got a reason why I don't think I can, right. I reckon, piff, piff that reason yeah, out the window throw it Right out the window.
1: Just, <laughs> honestly and when we were growing up um out here like my dad he treated um the word can't like cannot as if it were like the f word like honestly like we would get more in trouble for saying that than if we ever said it. like and we'd get told off if we were like swearing but um but unless we were at work sometimes he was a little bit lenient when we were at work and we were just like these little kids like ah shit (laughs) you know but um but if we said like oh I can't do that oh my gosh we got an earful it was crazy he'd just start being like don't you ever say that blah 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 we'd be like all right shit dad calm down (laughs) (laughs) but no I do think that that had an impact as well like honestly because like there's not many things that I like, without sounding like I'm way full of myself, like, on a realistic level, like, I do consider myself to be quite capable. And, like, if I don't know how to do something, I'm fairly certain I can figure it out with a little bit of help, you know? Um, and that, that's sort of what's happened with the here around the Table. Like, I don't know anything about planning events. Well, I didn't at the time. Um, but just through sort of being like, hey, Matt, what can I do? Um, and then just finding other things to do, uh, you know, I figured out how to, to have an impact on an event that's happening. Um, which is really cool, and I like being able to help out. So you know, but that was another example of that. Where like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll I'll do my best. <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. I think that's um that's such a thing. You know, I say to people, don't worry about the how. You know, you worry about your why, and just just yeah. why do you want to do this? And you know, people have got a strong enough why. It it doesn't matter. You know, because the, the, you always figure it out. You always figure out how yeah, to do a, stuff, and you know, you and you th- have and to if, pivot. And if you can't do it, someone will tell you how. don't
1: you know? didn't <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't know how to do audio video stuff, but luckily we know Scott and he knows how to do all yeah. of that stuff. And he has like a team of like little young people that help him do that as well. <laughs> it's amazing.
0: Uh, I love it. So you're also the vice president of the Hero Imagination Project.
1: I am uh, the Heroic Imagination Project. Oh, sorry. But no, you're totally fine.
0: So tell me about that. Like, you know, what what is the project about? What does it do? Who does it serve? You know, all that kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely. So the Heroic Imagination Project is a nonprofit um, organization based in San Francisco, uh, which to a lot of people who may be listening from America won't be a surprise. All of the nonprofits are basically based in San Francisco. Um, and that's where Zimbardo is based out of as well. So it just makes sense. Um, and it's a great nonprofit. It's one of the three Um, Originally, three nonprofits in in America that were doing everyday heroism research and training and work. Um, One of them was the Heroic Imagination Project, uh, which was sort of um, probably the biggest of the three, I would imagine. Um, The second second one may be about the same size. I'm not as familiar with them, but I've done some work with them and they're great people. and uh, the second one is the Pop Culture uh, Hero Coalition. I believe that's uh, the name. I, it, you know, there's a lot of heroism organizations. Yeah. And then the third one was an organization called the Hero Construction Company, which was also founded by Matt yeah. um, Langdon. Um, so originally, I was brought onto the board of the heroic, or the Hero Construction Company, um, and we were sort of like the little guys. We were like just doing what we could, and we were, you know, rocking it out, and it was fun, great team. Um, And then we uh, at a point merged with the Heroic Imagination Project. Um, I had stepped away from uh, HCC, the original smaller nonprofit at the time because I just moved home uh, from France and I I was just like figuring my life out. Mm So I was like, okay, step away from this for a moment. Um, Once they merged, they reached out to me and asked if I wanted to be on the board again. And I was like, sure, I've missed hanging out with all you guys and doing all this work. And so, yeah, so they brought me on. So it is a great nonprofit um, based out of San Francisco. It was founded by Dr. Phil Zimbardo, who did the Stanford Prison Experiment in the 70s. And then later on in his life, uh, with another gentleman called Zeno Franco, wrote a paper called The Banality of Heroism, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which sort of led to the nonprofit later on. Um, The Banality of Heroism is an idea that I believe they were sort of inspired by um, something called the banality of evil. Uh, I'm not an expert on this. So, you know, I may have some of the details wrong, but essentially I think it had something to do with the Nuremberg trials. And it, uh, it essentially it said any, any of us are capable of doing evil depending on the situations we found ourselves in and the mm-hmm. pressures that we found ourselves under, um, which, made, which made sense to me yeah. when I read it. I was like, yeah, I, I could sort of see that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Phil and um, Zeno, they wrote a paper called the banality of heroism, which is essentially the same thing, just flipped. So, mm-hmm. you know, anyone is capable of heroism, depending on the circumstances they find themselves in and the pressures they find themselves under. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read that and I was like, that's really interesting. And that paper sort of led Phil into starting H- I- HIP, HIP is what we sort of call it for short. Um, and, uh, yeah, so what we do is we do research on everyday heroism. Um, we do trainings, so schools, teams, businesses, organizations will bring us in to do sort of uh, what we call hero training. And it has a lot to do with you know, the bystander effect or you know, um, sort of things like that. It's, it's kind of similar to like leadership training, but it's just kind of in its own um, segment. And uh, right now we've just sort of merged a few months ago um. So we've been doing a lot of work, just kind of cleaning up everything, and uh, you know, planning our our future steps and getting in contact with our partners because HIP is partnered with with people all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, they've got a really great group in Portugal. There's some people from Denmark that we've been talking to the Faroe Islands. Like, it, it's really just uh, you know, sort of trying to put into place a well, it is in place um hero trainers and um people who are going to do research and um well people who are researching right now um and things like that it's it's sort of like uh we we go out and speak and we go out and do trainings and um yeah we're kind of in the beginning and in a pivotal sort of moment Mm. but it's been a really fun sort of experience and a lot of like rad work to to sink our teeth into
0: yeah ah that's fantastic it's just um you know there's so much so much around and you you've you've sort of in America, you know, you're talking about three different things and he, you've, you've sort of almost snagged yourself a spot on all of them, you know.
1: <laughs> I, I know, it's so weird. I know, I just am really good at hugs, so they keep inviting me back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's just, you know, it's funny that you haven't planned it and yet you keep dropping into that space, you know, and it's um, like you're saying too, it makes you question things. You know, I read this paper and then I thought, wow, that makes sense and, you know, I've been reading more on empathy and that makes sense and, you know, then if you are capable of evil, then you are also capable of good and you know it's it's very um it's it's great growth for your thinking isn't it all of this totally
1: and- totally I always tell people that I feel like the biggest thing that I've gained from the hero round table aside from all these great friends is um a perspective like I've really had the opportunity to hear people from all sorts of different walks of life who've gone through all different experiences from you know someone like uh rudy washington who was doing sock drives in detroit to someone like dr edith eager who was in the holocaust you know um so it's it's really been um a really cool learning experience for me as well um and i've definitely i feel like i've gotten a lot more yeah perspective i would say it just really gained a lot of perspective
0: so so how has cementing yourself now pardon the pun there but cementing yourself in the hero space had an impact on your life
1: oh my gosh it's insane honestly it's genuinely been bananas like so I was essentially just like yeah I'm just going to do asphalt that's my and concrete like that's my bread and butter I've been doing it since I was a kid um and luckily, uh, I've well, not luckily, but I've had an opportunity to break away from that for a few years. And it's you know really possible that I will go back into it in the future with my younger brother Michael, who obviously you know, um, because we sometimes we just drive by that asphalt truck and we're like, oh my gosh, like get the itch to get back out there, you know, like it's super hard work, but it's just all we knew growing up, so it was just it was great for us. Um, but yeah, like it's opened up a lot of opportunities. Um, I've always felt pretty comfortable speaking, um, and I've had opportunities to go and speak in schools um, and things like that. On um, businesses since then, uh, I spoke at the House of Lords and Parliament in London. Wow. Um, actually, it was five years ago today that wow. I spoke there. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, what a coincidence! That's so funny. I saw the Facebook memory this morning and was like, "Wow!" But I was still half asleep. Wow. Um, and that that was a really random thing. It was I was out doing asphalt one day, and I was just sweaty and filthy and miserable and terrible. It was, it was amazing. And, uh, uh, I was riding in the truck with my dad. Um, he was driving and, uh, me and my dad were super close. He was like my homie. And, uh, I got a message from Matt that said, Hey, you're not going to be in London next month. Are you? And I was like, no, 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 no um which to be fair is a, it's a safe question because ha- more than half of my family does live in England yeah. um but i but i like you know like come on man i'm not, not that interesting and uh and so um i was like no why what's up and he was like well we just got invited to speak at the house of lords um to promote our event and and try and find sponsorship for our event that we're going to be hosting there next year in london and i was like whoa holy shit and my dad was like what and i was like i just got invited to speak at the house of lords and he's like the like in london and i was like yeah he was like are you gonna do it and i was like i don't i don't have money for a plane ticket right now and he had weirdly enough been to the casino that morning our dad was a monster blackjack player he was really good at it and um it wasn't like he had a, a problem or anything he would just go down every once in a while and he tended to win um and uh and he he was like well how much would it cost you to get to london and i was like i can get there for 500 bucks get there and back i can do that i know how to do that and uh, he was like, cool. And he just pulled 500 bucks out of his pocket and handed it to me. And he was like, go speak at the House of Lords. And that was one of the coolest things my dad ever did. It was rad, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I went out and I spoke at the House of Lords. It was crazy. I had to be all proper. Um, and, yeah, it's taken me to Australia, which gave me the opportunity to visit New Zealand. Um, I, I've, we've already talked about all of the amazing people that I've gotten to meet, but I've learned a lot. I've really learned just a, like a lot of stuff.
0: Oh, that's awesome. God, there's a, that's a lot of impacts. I think that's fantastic. Now, I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed having this chat to you, but I've got to ask the last question. So what advice would you give to anybody who wanted to become an everyday hero, either by starting a project to make a better world or simply by choosing to do good? What advice would you give them?
1: Okay, so if you're trying to do a project, if, say you're you're concerned about the, the people in your community who don't have a home, right? Um, I guarantee you there's loads of projects already happening. And honestly, instead of competing with them, maybe find a way that you can help them. Um, Or maybe you can find a way to sort of reach out to if there's multiple groups. You know, a lot of times I think people like the idea of starting a project. And for some people that's totally the way to go. Um, But I would always say that it's worth checking out other organizations in that field prior and sort of getting introduced to people and getting some experience and finding out if it's really for you before you sort of delve into opening a charity or a nonprofit or something like that, um, a charitable organization or whatever. Um, because it's, it's a lot of work and it's really, uh, it's really hard. Um, and there's a lot of times where you, you question why you're putting all of this work into something that a lot of people don't even really get what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and it's really defeating. And um, in our case, we're so spread out, um, you know, Matt's in Australia for a while. I was in Europe. Scott was here in Michigan and um, even throughout COVID, like you're just so disconnected sometimes um, that it, it is tough. It's, it's genuinely tough. Sometimes you're just like, man, I'm stressing over this event. Yeah. That's not going to happen for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, like, am I going to find the money for it? You know, like, why am I doing this? Like, I, like I could just not be stressing right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and then obviously you, you see your your results and your product or whatever it is that you're doing. And you're like, duh, this is why I do this. You know, like, obviously this is look at, look at what, how these people are reacting. Like yeah. this is why I do this. Um, so I would say first things first, if you want to start a project. I would find people doing something similar mm. and get involved with them for a year or maybe two and see how you feel about starting your own project after you've helped yeah. with one for a while. Um, if you want to be an everyday hero, um, check out what we're doing at the Heroic Imagination Project. Check out a lot of the talks um, from the Hero Roundtable, which you can find us at you, on YouTube. There's loads of great talks on on this exact topic. Yeah. I would work on trying to find connections between yourself and people that you don't necessarily think there's any connections between, but try and find the common ground and work on that as a thought exercise. Um, I think that, well, it's been proven that when we see a similarity or like a shared tribe is like kind of what a lot of people like to call it. Uh, between us and someone else, we're much more likely to stop and help them. Mm, um, yeah. where, whereas if we saw ourselves in sort of two different groups, we're much less likely to. Mm. Um, and the reality is we're all people. So if you can't see us all in the same group from that alone, then you definitely need to start checking your own thought processes. Yeah. But um, but yeah, there's loads of ways to find shared points and connections. There, there just always is. I guarantee you, if you try, you're going to find. And, and, having that ability to pass by the us and them and see the us, like the we instead um, is going to do a load for helping you feel the need to help. And another thing that I'd like to mention really quickly um, is that we've found that people who have acted heroically don't see themselves as heroes, almost like, like universally do not see themselves as heroes. Um, So uh a few years ago in san francisco um i'm not sure if you remember but a, f- a few years back there was an attempted terrorist attack on a train going from either brussels or amsterdam to paris yeah. and some american military were there on that train and they were they were off duty i believe but they stopped the attack um and one of the the gentlemen that was a part of that he spoke at our event in um san francisco and uh like he didn't see himself as a hero you know, and that's like textbook definition, like, buddy, you don't get to go argue with Webster's Dictionary on that one. That's not up to me, you know, um, but they just don't. They The way they see it is that anyone who was in that position would have done the same thing, even though most of them were surrounded by people.
0: Uh, now, this has been... This has been a really fantastic. I absolutely have loved speaking with you and love, you know, listening to different um, perspectives about what heroism is, how we can be it, why we ignore it, you know, why we don't act, why we do act. It's just when we're talking about heroic action, it's the epitome of get off the bench, do you, you know, are you going to get off the bench and right, do something right. about it? And. um and some don't, and that's perfectly okay too. It's just it's just the way we're built, but it's a topic that has that to be discussed. True. And, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it, it fits beautifully in Get Off The Bench, and I, I hope that's... I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's great. Now, where can people find you?
1: Um, so I'm on Twitter um, as Tej Sartor, i um, I'm on LinkedIn as Thomas Sartor, But yeah, aside from that, um, The Hero Roundtable or Hero Roundtable on Twitter, on uh, Instagram, on YouTube. If you could go subscribe to our YouTube, that's sort of my little pet project right now. So it would be really helpful. Um, Facebook, all the the normal spots, The Hero Roundtable, and then uh, Heroic Imagination Project um, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Those are my current projects. And if you're in Southeastern Michigan and you're listening and your home ever floods or you find mold, Call up 1-800-WATER-DAMAGE of Southeastern Michigan and ask for Thomas, because that's what I do as my day job right now. (laughs) I'll come help you out. (laughs) That's where you find me. Uh I love it. <laughs> oh, yep, absolutely. Well, I'm, thanks for having me on, Karen. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes so people can, there's a, there's a ton of them. So my my I know pages of links, but that that's that's fantastic. Uh,
1: I know. Sorry for all the links. I do too much <laughs> stuff.
0: <laughs> uh, it's brilliant. I'm so so grateful for you sharing your time with us and sharing your sharing your thoughts in particular. You know, and and behind the scenes, you know. And, and and, and I guess joining the dots for the things that you've seen, you know, about what, how people act and why they act and and what's the, the common ground, the common threads. And I'm just, I, I've absolutely loved this conversation. I love you. So, you know, of course, I'm <laughs> going to love the conversation, but.
1: <laughs> Same. I love you. And I've loved talking to you, Karen. You're wonderful.
0: Oh, thank you. All right.
1: Well,
0: <laughs> I'll catch you soon. <laughs> thank absolutely, you. Absolutely, Karen.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Bye.
0: Ta-da. Oh guys, how was that? You know what, honestly, I don't even think there's much left for me to say. But I just I just love that and I love talking about why people take action, why people don't take action. And, you know, I really like to think about that whole impulsive heroism and planned heroism. And we kind of all hope we don't end up, you know, having to get off the bench in an impulsive way, as in a reactive way, you know, that something we see something terrible in front of us and we actually have to act. Of course, I hope people do act. And, but like we talked about, who knows? Who knows? Because, um, we never know until we're in that situation but if we focus on planned activism and we we take action we plan to take action we plan to you know build that empathy muscle and we plan to build that kindness muscle and we plan to make the world a better place I I reckon we're we're on a winner doing that and I think that in there we talked about you know people saying that they can't And I don't believe that at all. And you don't have to start up projects. You don't have to do that. But can every single person take action and build their empathy muscle and build their kindness muscle? absolutely and should we yes absolutely that's my opinion I'm going to stick with it because if if why wouldn't we want a better place and why wouldn't we want to do good and why wouldn't we want to reach a tipping point where where people are taking action to make a better world I I can't see that there's an alternative and there shouldn't be an alternative because we only get one crack at this we only got one planet and we need to really step up and and do what's going to, I don't know, give us longevity and, and just bring kindness as well. I don't know if I'm going off tangent there like Thomas, but anyway, let's let's go. So I hope you've enjoyed that. And uh, again, thanks very much for joining me every week. And I love these episodes. I love chatting to different people all around the world and getting all these different perspectives um, about getting off the bench, about taking action and just generally about making a better world. So um, thank you for joining me again. And I look forward to next week and have a great week. See you later. Thanks. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.